So today's sermon will be more of an introduction to this concluding passage here in Ephesians. Let's just recap just a little bit first. So far we have learned, as Paul has written to these Christians in Ephesus, we have learned that in Christ, and that's the, that's the title of our series, Who We Are in Christ. In Christ we are chosen, we have been adopted, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we've been shown God's will, we've been made alive even when we were dead in our sins. We've been seated in the heavenly realms. We've been given grace. We've been shown God's kindness. We've been created for good works. We've been brought near to God. We have been made one. We've been made able to approach God with freedom and confidence. We have been unified as one body, and we have been rooted and established in love. All of this was done for us by God in Christ. When we are in Christ, God has given us all of this. And then in chapter 4, we, we came to that passage that I refer to as the so then part of the letter. So then, since God has done all of this for us in Christ, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. God has given us all of this in Christ. So then, let's live in a way that honors that. Let's live in a way that shows our gratitude for that. Let's live in a way that offers thanks to God. Let's live in a way that enables us to imitate the God who gave us all of this. How? By being humble, gentle, Patient, bearing with one another, keeping unity in a bond of peace, maturing in Christ, speaking truth to one another, putting off the old self that was corrupted with deceitful desires, and this key phrase, put on the new self created to be like God. Build others up, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgive each other, just as Christ forgave you. And then the next key phrase, be imitators of God and live a life of love just as Christ has loved us and given himself up for us. We are to love others in that same way. Live as children of light. and Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And then Paul makes a statement about how we are to live, which sort of encompasses all of that. Especially the two key phrases, that we are to put on the new self created to be like God, and that we are to imitate God by living a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And that key phrase was, phrase was, Submit to one another in reverence for Christ. And then Paul illustrates in real life ways how we can do that. He uses the example of marriage. Now each one within the marriage gives themselves to the other, puts the other's best interests above themselves, is selfless in behalf of the others. Children and parents, the same way. And slaves 
and owners or bosses and employees, as we put it. We have been given so much in Christ. And so we should live in a manner worthy of our calling. We should live lives of selfless love. And living thus does not make us worthy of anything that we have in Christ. Living lives of selfless selfless love is our thank you to God. It is our way of giving honor to God and showing reverence for the gifts that He has given us in Christ. And it is what enables us to be lights in the darkness of this world so that others might find Christ and be set free from the chains of sin. So the question is, can we do this? Can we live lives of selfless love? Can we be shining lights in the darkness? Can we put off negative deceitfulness that is constantly dumped on us by the prince of this darkness? And those who serve him in this world, can we stand strong in our faith? Can we stand strong in our joy? Can we stand strong in the peace? Can we stand strong in our forgiveness? Can we turn our backs on the lies of the enemy who tells us, You cannot be humble, you can't be gentle, you can't be patient? Who tells us, You can't be forgiven, forgiving? You can't be compassionate. You can't bear one another's burdens. Who tells us you can't bear with one another. You can't imitate God. You can't love one another as Christ loved you. You can't live gratefully, honoring God for all He's done for you in Christ. Can we turn our back on the enemy who says that to us? The answer is yes. We can turn our backs on his lies, but not in our own strength. Not with our own abilities. Not in the frailty of our humanity. We need power beyond ourselves. And so Paul ends his letter by saying, Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in His power. And then he goes on to explain just how we can be strong in the Lord. And that's the the way he concludes his letter. And it's going to take us two messages to do this. But we're going to have a break in between. Because next Sunday is Palm Sunday and I'm going to have a special message then. And the following Sunday is Easter. But after that, we will come back to this and, and we will finish it. So I want to read to you <coughs> Ephesians chapter 6 beginning at verse 10 finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the gospel of peace as a firm footing. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, we just give you thanks, give you praise for all that you have done for us in Christ, for all that you have given us. You've given us life when we were dead. And Father, we want to honor that. We want to honor that with our lives. We want to live imitating you. And imitating our Savior by loving others as he loved us. Father, you know us. You know our weaknesses. You know that in our humanity, as much as we would desire, we cannot accomplish this. And so you have provided for us, as Paul describes it, an armor. With which we can face all that would tear us down. All that would be detrimental to us all that would hold us back Father we thank you for that too and I do pray that as we study this today and and in the following message that you will help us to understand and appreciate just how we can have this strength this power that is yours we ask it in Christ's name Amen I think I have mentioned to you <clears throat> in the past when I was uh, much younger my uh, my dad introduced me to spelunkering now, if you don't know what that means that's cave exploring uh, he grew up in uh, Mississippi and Louisiana and uh, as a boy he he liked to go cave exploring now these are not the caves that have lights inside and walkways and a guide to take you through. So when we were teenagers, uh, my dad took my brother and I down to where he grew up and he took us to a couple of the old caves that he used to go into. Well, after going into the first one, I was hooked. I, that, I had to do that. And so every opportunity I had after that, I would go spelunker. Now my mom, my mom and dad moved to Tennessee. And in Tennessee, around the Nash, uh, not Nashville, or central Tennessee, there are a lot of hills and uh, a lot of caves. And so when I went to visit there, I would go cave exploring. On one occasion, I had a couple of friends with me. We were doing a Christian service camp not too far from there. And the weekend prior to that, I took my two friends and uh, we went cave exploring, went to a couple of different caves. 
I remember this one that we went into that all there was was just like a hole in the ground. I mean, you had to actually get down on your stomach and crawl in to get inside this cave. Now, once you got in for a little bit, you could stand up and there was this huge cavern in there. And there were slabs of sandstone uh, on the floor of the cave. You could see when you put your flashlight around that that should have told me something, but it didn't. Uh, we decided to go on back in the cave and and uh, it was a pretty big cave. We could walk through most of it. In fact, there was a stream that was going through the cave. That should have told me something too. And uh, so we were walking down the stream in this cave and the further we got, the more we thought, you know, storms come up here, come up pretty quickly around here in these hills. We probably shouldn't be in this cave because uh, it, it just might flood on us and that would not be good. So we decided to turn around and leave. Well, the, t- the other two guys, they were walking back through the, the uh, stream and I was up on a ledge. I had to be different, of course. I, I was up on a ledge. And I'm walking along this ledge, and there's a, a stone slab sitting sort of sideways on the edge of it. As I approached it, I lost my slip, my footing, and I reached over to balance myself and put my hand on that slab of rock. That slab of rock tilted, went to the floor, pinned my foot to the ground. Needless to say, it hurt. <laughs> but what was worse is I couldn't budge it. So my two friends came up, and the three of us got a hold of this slab of rock. We could not move it. We looked around to find something we could pry it up with. Couldn't find anything. So now was, things were feeling a little dicey. And so my friends, we were pretty close to the front of the cave, so they were going to go out and try to find somebody to come and help us. As they walked almost out of sight, I had this vision of being pinned there and there being a flood. I reached down, got a hold of the rock, and picked it up off of my foot. Was there pain? Oh, yes. Were there scars from my struggle? Oh yes. I could barely walk for several days. But I was free. And that's what God does for us. He puts within us, if I can use this analogy, adrenaline. So that we are able to stand firm. He puts within us truth. He puts within us righteousness. He puts within us peace. He puts within us faith. He puts within us salvation. And His Spirit and His Word. And He's given us the ability to pray and to come boldly before His throne and make our requests. When the enemy attacks us, all of this Adrenaline is at our disposal. And we have the power, the power of God within us to be able to stand firm. We have the power of God within us to turn the enemy away. 
and like lifting a weight beyond our ability to move, we can cast aside everything that encumbers us and tries to defeat us, and we can walk out of the cave free. How? Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now notice, we are to put on the full armor of God. Everything we need to fight the enemy, God has given us. We're to use it. But you see, here is a mistake we often make on our journey. We look for the easy fix. Every day, we are in a battle. It rages all around us. And what we ought to do is fight back right there, right then, with the armor that we have been given. But instead... We struggle just to hold on, to hold out until we can get a fix. Now, what is a fix? Well, maybe it's church. I've got all this battle going on, but I'm, I'm somehow, I'm just gonna, I've just got to get to Sunday. And Sunday I can sing the songs and I can hear the words and I can pray and I can feel good again. Maybe it's a Bible study. That's your fix. You're just going to kind of hang on as best you can until you can get the fix. Maybe it's a seminar. Maybe it's a, an inspirational movie. Maybe it's a TV preacher. Or maybe we're just hoping we can open our Bibles and it's going to fall to a passage and that's exactly what we're going to need and that'll be our fix and we'll be okay until the next time. Anything, anything outside of us that will give us that boost, that's our fix. Something to rejuvenate us, something to make us feel okay for a while until the enemy strikes again. Now don't get me wrong. All these things I just talked about, they are good. They are helpful. They are needful. But if we depend on them when the enemy is in our face, we will find our strength drained away. We will feel weak. We will struggle to keep our heads above water. We will strain to get the weight off of us. Why? Because we're waiting for something outside of us to save us. Instead of using the power that is within us. Is there going to be a battle to live the grateful life? Is there going to be a struggle to imitate God by loving as He loved us, you can count on it. So, prepare for battle. 
When you get up each morning, know for certain, know for certain there is going to be a battle today. Somewhere along the way in this day, either large or small, there is going to be a battle. The enemy will come against you. There's not a day that goes by when this is not true. At some point, at some place, in some way. So, dress for battle. Put on the full armor of God. My uh, oldest daughter, <coughs> excuse me, lives in Barnesville, Minnesota. That's about an hour south of Fargo, North Dakota. Yesterday she sent me a text with a picture. And the caption on her text was, Getting better, 53 degrees. And in the background of the picture were piles of snow. (laughs) Only a week or so ago they had three feet of snow. And the temps were below zero. In Minnesota, when you get up in the morning and the temperature is minus 22, and the high for the day is going to be minus 7, you better dress accordingly. You don't just put on a pair of gloves and a sweatshirt and a stocking hat. You don't go out and as the frigid air takes your breath away, think to yourself, I just got to get to work because it will be warm in the building. If you do, you're asking for frostbite. Paul says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Don't get partly dressed. (laughs) It's important here to take a closer look at the next thing Paul says. Because we need to understand who the enemy is. Yes, the devil is our enemy. But you know what? The devil is not. Satan is not God. Satan cannot be everywhere. God is everywhere. Satan is not. But he does not operate in this world or in the universe alone. What Paul says next really should shock us into reality. It should be that minus 22 degrees that takes our breath away and causes us to realize we must put on the full armor of God. Here's what he says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly realms. When I was a little kid, it was my job to uh, take the clinkers out. Now, clinkers, that's what you have when you burn coal. 
That's what's left when the coal burns up. You get those out of the coal burning furnace and you put them in a bucket and you take them out to the cinder pile. It's my job to do that every day. I'm supposed to do it before dark. <clears throat> but on one occasion, I got busy playing, not paying attention. The first thing I knew it was dark and I heard my dad say, did you take, did you take the cinders out? No, <laughs> we need to get them out. So I had to get, get them in the bucket and go to the back door where I stood for quite a while, looking out in the darkness. Now, in my youthful imagination, I imagined all kinds of things out there in the darkness that would get me. So it took me quite a while, but I, I eventually went out there humming to myself, whistling, dumping the cinders, and then hearing something. I don't know what I heard, but I heard something. I don't know how fast I made it back to the house, but it was pretty quick. You know, here again, we make a mistake. Because just like my imagination, in this world, in this dark world, it's not imagination. All around us, there is an enemy. It is the army of Satan. And the mistake we make is looking for easy targets and then missing the true enemy. Listen, Paul says the enemy is not flesh and blood. The enemy is not flesh and blood. When he speaks of rulers and authorities and powers, he is not talking about people. Now, yes, people can be used for evil, but our struggle is not against people. And we need to be careful about making straw men to knock down. It's not the dictators or the kings or the presidents or the politicians or the elitists or the democrats or the republicans or the socialists or the Hollywood types or the millionaires or the anarchists or the evolutionists or the scientists or the atheists, or the Hindus, or the Buddhists, and on and on it can go. These are all flesh and blood. In one way or another, we could do away with any of these. We could drive them out. We could vote them out. We could spend enormous amounts of time and money and energy and resources to destroy them. We could decry them in our churches and pray for them to be overcome. But our battle <coughs> is not against flesh and blood. We could defeat them all, but we would have only defeated straw men. The real enemy of our souls will still be at the door of our heart. Every day, Seeking 
to knock us down. There is an enemy, and this enemy is powerful and rules in this world. And it's not just Satan, it is his army. Now, can we be snatched from the grasp of God? No. If we are truly His, God's Word tells us no one can take us from Him. But while our eternal home is secure, our journey in this world is in danger of being subverted. Our witness is in danger of being diluted. Our light is in danger of being dimmed. Our joy is in danger of being crushed. Our peace is in danger of being shaken. Our love for one another is in danger of being quenched. Our selflessness is in danger of being made into selfishness. And our imitation of God is in danger. So Paul says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, and that day can be any day and every day, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. I sometimes think we underestimate our enemy. No, he is not God. He cannot be everywhere. But in another sense, he is everywhere. The powers, the rulers, the authorities of this dark world, and he's not talking about people. Some people get used in evil ways. But it's like standing at the back door and looking out in that darkness. It's all that evil that is out there. It can't take us from from our heavenly home. But He can definitely take away our joy. Take away our peace. Crush our love. Quench it. He can keep us from being lights. He can keep us from living thankful, grateful, reverent, honoring lives. We've been given so much in Christ. Paul says, therefore, live accordingly. But you can't do it by yourself. You need the power of God within you. You need the armor of God. And with the armor of God, any day, every day, at any time, you can stand firm. You can turn the enemy away. You can press forward. You can continue to mature. You can be the shining light in this world. But you better put on the armor of God.